0: Hello everyone, thank you for joining me for episode three of season two of Beer with Darren. Today I am joined by Chris Holland, who I'm really excited to talk about the alignment of sales and marketing. Um, Chris is a perfect person to talk about this as he's actually played both roles. He's previously a salesperson um, and he's now a leading marketer as as far as I'm concerned, someone I hold in a high regard. So Chris, thank you so much for joining me.
1: No worries, thanks for having me, appreciate it. You made me blush as well. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's all true it's all true so the first question is what are you drinking
1: what am i drinking um i'm drinking i believe it's we've we're, we're still, we've just moved into our fancy new offices and we've got a beer tap so it's whatever's in the beer tap i think it's like it's a local leeds based ipa um, and i can't remember the name of so it's not really good for so product placement
0: <laughs> well I'm on the I'm on the Bud Light, so you, you can judge me all you want, but uh, I actually quite enjoy Bud yeah, Light. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think you bang on to be honest. I um I, I would it'd be a lager would be mine of choice as well, I think. I've I've tried I've tried and tried to get into hipster beer and I can't do it.
0: No, I can't, I can't. Um I'm actually if I had a choice, I'd go for Peroni. It's Peroni every day for me.
1: Yeah, excellent. I'd be on with that as well.
0: Well next time we meet up, I'll get your Peroni. That's the what we we have. That sounds good. So Perfect. Well, for the, for the people that don't know and people listening and watching on YouTube, would you mind just giving a quick run through of your background for me?
1: Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm Chris. Um, I've been um, with Charlton Morris, which is where I'm currently head of marketing. So I've been with them since um, 2014. So in fact, six, I've been here six years, two days ago. Um, so I started out as started out as a recruitment consultant and um, Worked in the energy sector, so oil and gas, and then renewable energy after that. Um, and then about two years in or so, I moved into marketing. Um, so first became sort of marketing exec, marketing manager, and then mark, uh, head of marketing today. Um, so we um, we've you know I think as we're probably going to come onto a little bit later on, I think my time on the sales side of it and doing the business development helped me out with the marketing. It helped me realise sort of what works and what you know recruiters want from marketing. Um, and yeah, and today I've I've got a, a team um, under me and we do lots of different things.
0: Amazing. And one of the things I said just then was that you were a salesperson. You mentioned sales and recruitment. Often I speak to people and they say to me, I'm not a salesperson, I'm a recruiter. What's your opinion on that?
1: Um, I think it depends what type of recruiter you are to do that I think if you are a 360 consultant which you know the majority of people in the UK are or the majority of recruiters that I've come into contact with in the UK are um, then you are a salesperson because part of your 360 degree role is 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 selling and so much of recruitment is sales you know it's it's as much as it's selling yourself to potential clients to get new vacancies on it's selling roles to candidates as well um, so I think, you know, you're maybe not like a, a pure sort of sales rep as such, but there's I think there's there's virtually always sales involved in, in a recruiter's job.
0: I completely agree. And when you first joined Charlton Morris, did they have marketing or were you did you uh, join as as that sales role and there wasn't marketing in the business?
1: Yeah, no, so when I joined, we were, at, um, I think I was employee number 10. Um, so we're still a, a, a pretty small business um, and we were all salespeople. Um, so, I mean, we were, I mean, again, you know, in the same way that recruit recruiters are, are salespeople, recruiters are also marketers, you know, they've got personal brands to look after. And luckily we were on that from pretty early on, you know, everyone was, massively encouraged to get involved with LinkedIn. Um, so we didn't have a dedicated marketing function, but everyone realized the importance of of having a personal brand, of having a network and having a presence on on social media.
0: And when you say they had a personal brand, what are your how do you actually go about building that? Because so many people right now are on the journey earlier on. How do you if you were starting today, how would you start building your personal uh, brand?
1: I think the first thing that I'd do would be to decide on my audience um and decide on who i want it to appeal to um i think for me too many recruiters when they're trying to do that and build a personal brand either a trying to appeal to everybody or b just trying to appeal to other recruiters um and by that you know just talk about recruitment focused stuff whereas i think if you are you know if if you're working in a niche um or if you know whether your niche is functional or whether it's industry specific um i think that to grow your personal brand you really really need to focus on that niche um you really need to you know get involved in in what's happening the news the the content the stories that are coming out of that and then you be Sort of a, a, a conduit to that news to your network, so people can rely on you as a source of good information. Um, and then, when you sort of got that part nailed down, you know, you can start building your own, creating your own content as well.
0: So a lot, a lot of people that I speak to say they want to be not industry experts but thought leaders. And whenever I hear somebody say that, I say, look, you can't be a thought leader in oil and gas. You can't be a thought leader in Python if you're if you're a, a tech recruiter. What you can be is an expert in the recruitment of Python developers. You can be yeah. an expert in the recruitment of oil and gas. Without, do you think there is room for that's in that to Actually, be a, a I guess the Gary Vaynerchuk of oil and gas. Is that is that possible? Do you think?
1: Um, uh it isn't. It isn't. You know, I think there are some. Um, there are some recruiters in. There's. I don't know if you're familiar with, like, you know, the Mullins Group, Joe Mullins, um, medical recruiter over in the US. Um, I, I think that what he does um, is is really really good um, in terms of being that sort of influencer and thought leader um, in in the spaces that he works in. Um, for me. I don't necessarily think that if you're a recruiter, unless you I don't know, you know, unless you're ex-industry, you know, say you're, doing, you're an oil and gas recruiter and you did do 10 years on the rigs or something. For me, I don't necessarily think it's your responsibility to be a thought leader. I think it's, I think recruiters have a, a very well-placed and have a very good objective view of the market that they're working in that no one else has got. So, you know, as opposed to being a thought leader themselves, like, you know, you mentioned uh, someone recruiting in Python, like, it's, it, I, I don't know, it's unlikely, I think that, you know, a recruiter will be able to write, you know, whatever programs in, in Python. Um, but if they're right in the heart, in the hub of that market, and they know what's going on, then, you know, this sort of situation that we're in, there's nothing to stop them doing that and becoming, I suppose, a thought leader in that way. But it's much more of a facilitator. You know, in terms of being that person in the middle of the market, connecting all these different areas that maybe wouldn't usually be connected, and letting the experts, you know, express their opinions and use their voice, and then maybe sort of probing them and, and asking a little bit about it. I'm, you know, I'm a big, big advocate of recruiters not sort of overstepping the mark when it comes to their authority. You know, one of the rules that we have here is that you always try and speak from a point of authority. So, you know, when we're doing a lot of like uh, quite in-depth life science content. Um, The in-depth technical stuff will always come from the clients that we're we're involved in in that content. We're never going to start talking about how to design a diagnostic test or put together something like that. It's always going to come from the clients. But the fact that we as recruiters are there asking those questions, you know, makes you that that thought leader, if you like, because you're obviously so involved and so close to these people to be able to have these conversations.
0: Absolutely. And And that hits very close to home because obviously my background is tech. My background is in marketing but page is a marketing tool so the reason I speak to marketers like right now is because I can I can deliver your opinion to my audience and that's far more value than my opinion frankly yeah um and that's where I mean it's, it's a it's an interesting point um, I actually want to go back before we go forward so we've gone through when you were a salesperson but before that I've just noticed on LinkedIn that you were a marketing assistant at a comedy club how did that come about and what was that like?
1: Well, yeah, that was my first sort of um, foray into any sort of marketing. I was, um, I was at uni in Newcastle and it started out as a bar job in a comedy club. And then um, I was a, a, a sound technician and like lighting technician for doing all the shows. Um, so I used to sort of do the, you know, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome so-and-so to the stage or there'll be no way you did it like
0: that give me your best voice come on what was it ladies and gentlemen (laughs) not,
1: not quite it was a comedy club in Newcastle so it was all a bit more deadpan than that but no it was um no it was yeah and then from there it sort of progressed into doing some of the marketing as well um I mean if I'm totally honest I'm probably um I'm probably being a bit generous to myself in terms of marketing assistant. I'm not sure it was ever my job title, or if it was just to help me get a marketing job. But I definitely nice. handed out, I definitely handed out some flyers and helped promote some shows and did a bit of social for them. So it, it, oh, it counts.
0: <laughs> definitely. So if we fast forward, how was, how did the transition from sales to marketing happen? How did that come around?
1: Um, we well, I mean, I was, you know, I I, I started writing content as a recruiter um, on LinkedIn. You know, making the most of the articles and not many other people that. Uh, we're in my space and in my market at the time we're we're doing that. Um and I think that it was a natural sort of progression with the amount that we use LinkedIn um to, for, for, to 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 take that next step and have someone sort of solely dedicated to it. Um it's something I've always had a you know real interest in. Um and so you know I was just offered the opportunity, it was just a conversation one day between my MD and I if I wanted to make that jump and I said yes and that was that really. That's history.
0: It's so, so laid back that because so many people want to to take that transition and it that just happened shows that there's a real belief at, at Charlton Morris that they can, they can actually help you grow your career. Yeah, I,
1: yeah, it is. It is that, that is definitely an element to it. I think it's also that there's always been a, a I think very much the thing here is that it's, it's always been, if you have a good idea, then, you know, see it through, present it. Let's see what we can do with it. And, and, You know, I was, I was keen on it and starting to see an impact of it. So, you know, it just makes sense to, 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 I suppose, to keep people in the business and keep them and keep them doing something that they're really enjoying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the, one of the hardest things when I, when I speak to marketers, getting the relationship between sales and marketing, right, is one of the hardest problems, but also the most rewarding, because if you can get that to click and you are delivering MQLs and they are good quality and they turn them into SQLs and they close them and everything's looped in and the reporting's done, it can really make your business fly. How have you gone about achieving that and how did your background in sales aid that?
1: My background in sales massively helped it because it, it, I was very aware of the importance of, of time and how time-poor you are as a, as a recruiter, or at least how time-poor you say you are as a recruiter. Um, it's, you know, it, it's, it, I, I, I think that for it to be effective, particularly in the world of recruitment, sales and marketing can't be siloed. Um, You know, the way that we've, the way that we've always done it is that, look, you know, you've, Marketing is very much like an integrated resource into the rest of the business, and it's not a case that marketing go to sales and say, "Oh my," or, you know, we go to some of the consultants and say, "We've got a great idea for an article. We think this article should be about this. Um, do you like this? If so, can you go do some research on it?" Every bit of content that we ever do is totally consultant-led, um, and then for the team, for my team and I, you know, to sort of take it on and put it together and help and help with that content creation piece you know we have to have a conversation and we have to all sort of set goals and set expectations as to what we want to get out of that piece of content um because you know it's a time intensive thing and and for sort of for quality control's sake and for a lot of other reasons you know my team and i will always be the people who properly put it together because i I don't see it as a recruitment consultant's job to write a thousand word blog or to you know or to do a big campaign or to make videos or to be in videos. Yes. But to produce videos, no. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's having conversations at all points, all the way through a sort of content creation and distribution process. Um, and also, you know, incentivizing your marketing team on the results that you get from it. I mean, you mentioned like MQLs and SQLs, like we, the way that we do it is much more amalgamated than that. Um, like, Everything is, you know, everything goes through Bullon and then into Cube Nineteen. But then we look back um, at sort of the type of business development. So we have sort of we have sort of traditional business development into some, maybe some of the more traditional ways that recruiters would would recruit and try and get new roles on. And then we have sort of marketing-led business development, which is playing a slightly longer game but using content as the center of it and trying to start conversations with that content instead. Um, so. Uh, yeah, the, and but they wouldn't be split as MQLs and SQLs. Because at the end of the day, the the consultants still do all the sales work, um, but we might help with some of the messaging and some of the content around it. And then at the end of it, we just start to see it's not like a competition between sales and marketing. It's just well, which part of like the whole mix and the whole blend of tools you've got available, which part is most effective in generating revenue? Because at the end of the day, that's what everybody you know wants to do and, and needs to do.
0: I completely agree that that's the wrong measurement. It's, it's so, such a shame to see because it's the easiest measurement to get is the MQLs, but actually what you should care about is revenue. For the people that, and you know, I'm probably, I saw this at Broadbean myself when I was there, the relationship between sales and marketing is often separate. If you're, because you've, I honestly believe you've managed to achieve the, the unicorn, the thing we're all trying to get to. If you were in the situation where, let's say you started a new, new role, and you're, you didn't have the relationship you have now. What would be your first steps to get that relationship back?
1: Um, I think you'd have to spend a lot of time speaking to the the, the salespeople or the consultants, um, and I think you'd have to spend time finding out what they want and what they, you know, what, what their pain points are and almost there's there probably almost be a bit of point scoring involved from marketing's perspective, because certainly in recruitment, you know, marketing isn't just the gloss, it isn't just digital marketing, usually marketers um, will have a lot of different responsibilities in a recruitment business. And you almost need to, I think you almost need to demonstrate your value in other ways to your recruiters, uh, you know, to sort of give them a little bit of faith in what you're doing. So for example, um, you know, asking them questions about what the pain points are and then looking into sort of bringing in tech solutions to help with that, for example, Pager or something similar, you know, or, you know, really tightening up the CRM and really tightening up the, the tech surrounding that and the analytics on top, you know, bringing in something like Cube to to, to help manage to, to show managers that, you know, you can start assessing quality as well as quantity um, and, and sort of earning that trust in that way. Um, you know, every single thing, all you've got to do with recruiters, I think, is show them that, that time is reduced and that what you're doing leads to revenue. So I think you've got to sort of find out what's wrong first, find out what things that People are doing that could be I don't know made more efficient, sped up, change slightly. If there's things that aren't working, how you know come with some fresh new ideas, which is should always be marketing's job to be like innovative and you thinking, you know present these new ideas, present new ways of communicating of writing to to consultants, and then hopefully that'll sort of earn that trust and respect. And the thing as well, if they don't, you know, if people aren't interested, then you don't necessarily you're never going to necessarily win everyone over at once. And I think if you get people who are hostile and you can get people who are just, you know, dinosaurs and say they're not interested in an interesting way of doing things, then leave them alone. Like don't, you know, don't help do it with the people who are advocates who want to do it, make an example of them, shout about how fantastic they're doing and then wait for the, wait for the knock on the door on the phone call or the Slack message or whatever to ask you to get involved. And then you can I, say, yeah. oh yeah, I absolutely will do. And it'll be a couple of weeks because I'm working on these campaigns with all these other people. And you know, I that's think that's
0: that. a really good point. What. One of the big, big problems I often find—I did a post about it yesterday where it went a little bit viral. I think around twenty-five thousand views on LinkedIn. Quite proud of that. Um, But I I mentioned that I speak to a lot of CEOs that refer to marketing as their marketing girl or their marketing girls, and it shows that they don't have the greatest respect for marketing. Yeah. If if you had a CEO, and obviously you won't be called a marketing girl, but I've never heard the term marketing boy as well, which is why it also annoys me because i never marketing boy. But if you had a CEO that didn't quite give you the give you the same encouragement around marketing as you've got a Charlton Morris, mm. how would you tackle that situation?
1: Um, I think I think that's a challenging one. I think if the question was, I know you didn't ask this question, but if it was a consultant or if it was a manager or if it was um, anything like that, I think in fact it probably still applies. I think the first thing that you do is start saying no. I think that um, you sort of earn. That title of marketing girl, marketing boy, whatever, or you know the throwaway marketing comment, um, as in the people who are just in the corner, um, you know squirreling away doing stuff that's just like neither here nor there. I think as soon as you start saying no to people, you start getting asked, you know, if someone asks you to come put together that presentation for something that needs to be done in an hour, and yeah, you say, well, no, I'm not doing that there's a template that I've made for everyone to get on with, that they can use with clear brand guidelines. So I'm not wasting my time on that because I've got other things that can lead to revenue. Then I think you instantly start winning a little bit more respect. Um, and I think that's, that, that's really important. I think it's all about like, it's a bit cheesy in it, but it's about like realizing the worth and the value that you add first of all, because in that, you know, if you are in that recruitment business and you are a one one man, one woman team, and you're brought in as a, a grad or as a marketing assistant or whatever like that, then the only person who's ever going to put sort of value on you is you. Um, and working usually in such a, in a role where you've got so much freedom as marketing in a recruitment company, as well as it can have those negative connotations of being put off in that corner and seen as sort of the colouring in department or whatever, it actually gives you tons of freedom. And you've got probably a lot more freedom to innovate and try things and do different things than you would in um, in any other sort of marketing entry level role as a grad or anything a little bit further on. You know, so I would just say, you know, you've got to, you've got to say no, you've got to back yourself, you've got to try things, you've got to identify those advocates in your company. Because chances are, if you're in a recruitment company, they've hired marketing, they're going to be more than 10, 15, 20 people. So find the people who are up for it, find the people who are forward thinking, work with them. And then just earn the respect of everybody else but yeah it's it, it it's a difficult thing i think um but i think that recruitment companies are gonna it's gonna get to a point very soon where ceos don't have a choice but to back and invest in marketing because they're gonna get overtaken by companies that that do do it
0: absolutely i completely agree with that point and it's interesting because whenever i speak to someone they're like oh, i don't know how to get my ceo to buy into marketing my, my initial reaction is get another job. Now, obviously, that was pre-pandemic. So it's a lot easier to say that before that. Um, but I think as the world returns to normal, that would still be my, my advice is just to find a CEO that does believe in marketing because they are out there. And it's night and day when you find somebody like that.
1: Uh, absolutely, I agree. But then at the same time, you know, if you do manage to win someone over, if you do manage to, to actually turn something around and you have to prove your worth, then I think you know that that can potentially be even you know even more valuable you know like be, be up for, yeah be be up for the scrap you know what I mean if yeah you know, if you, if you try all that if you do all these great things um and then still the CEO says no nah, you're going to be the first for the chop or you're going to be the first to be you know cut or whatever then yeah by all means find another job but I'd say you know give it a go because you might you you know you might win some sort of powerful friends over that that see you see you go a long way
0: absolutely and i'm so i'm nearly out of beer but to be fair i did have a 330 mil can so (laughs) could be why um is there anything else any other advice you've got for people that want to align their sales and marketing teams or any advice to somebody just starting out in marketing
1: um i think when it comes to aligning your sales and marketing um i think it would be that make sure that everything you do has got a point um don't yeah, make make sure you ask why about everything you're doing. Question it. Um, chances are, if you're in recruitment marketing, then you're going to be in a small team. Um, you're going to read lots of theory about marketing. You're going to read lots of very, very exciting, sophisticated things and the latest breakthroughs in how to do all these different analytics and tracking and, and blah blah blah. But you know, if you haven't got the resources, you haven't got the resources, and that's all right. So it's important to be to do a small number of things very, very well. Um, And then when you're working with consultants, with the team, with salespeople, involve them in every step of the process, demonstrate the value that you're adding to everyone and shout about what you're doing well. Um, And then, you know, as long as you have success or some description, you you should be all right.
0: Amazing. And if you don't sweep it under the carpet and just uh, try something else, because there, there will always be failures in marketing. You always will spend some money that doesn't work. So
1: Well, I mean, how many? Yeah, exactly. I mean, how many... How many times does a salesperson get pulled up on for sort of a pitch not going right? Like, yeah. never really. They just say, get back on the horse and do it again. It's the exact same thing with marketing. It's just it's a bit more noticeable if you don't get likes on LinkedIn than it is if someone hangs up a phone up on you because you just pick up the phone and go again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, look, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time, really appreciate your advice. Um, if you are listening to this, connect with Chris on LinkedIn. So it's Chris Holland, Chris with a K if you can't find him. Um, I'm sure he'd be happy to speak to you and offer some more advice, but he's a fantastic guy, fantastic career. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes next, what comes next for you.
1: Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Darren.
0: Thank you.